Welcome to the B2B Marketing Results Show, where we examine new ways to achieve B2B growth with insights from today's top professional marketers. Hi there, I'm your host, Derek Little, and this is the podcast for companies of all sizes wanting to transform their marketing and accelerate their growth. In this episode, I was honored to speak with Steve Dawson. Steve is the co-founder and CEO of Ratio Creative, a UK marketing agency for SaaS and healthcare technology firms. His point of view is that great B2B marketing is about finding the best opportunities, but it's easy to miss out on them, he says, if you don't see them. In this interview, he shares some groundbreaking research on the best way to approach B2B marketing and some common mistakes to avoid. Here's what Steve had to say. Very rarely do we get a client that approaches us, either one we're working with or, or one that we haven't worked with before, and says, I have a major problem. I'm losing brand share to this competitor or, um, uh, yeah, I've got a problem. So although we, we solve problems, actually what we really do is create opportunities. So we work very closely with clients hand in hand where we can then understand where their brand is going, where their products are, what's good about their particular services and articulate that in such a way in which we create a new opportunity for them. In some cases, an opportunity they didn't even realize they had in a particular segment of the market that they hadn't really thought about or looked into. It, it seems to me to be a particular issue with B2B. There seems to be, um, and I, I think it's a, a probably a lack of data and uh, 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 and research so quite a lot of clients will tell you that they want to do some activity and they have a fixed budget and this is a channel they want to use and when you know, our job is is to ask those obvious questions why that particular channel why this time what happens if we did this? What would that look like? So the hows and the whys and the whats are very good questions for us. And quite often, the activity that a client believes they should be doing is based on habit. And there's a very famous quote, I think it was Henry Ford said, that if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Can you share a story about a client you helped and how that turned out? Okay, I, I'll give you one actually, because uh, it, 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 this particular example actually plays into something. I know you, you're keen to understand what trends might be happening. In particular, I'm looking at next year. And, there, and there's a really good um, example of a campaign with different clients that actually became beyond just a, a tactical campaign. So a client came to us. They're a SaaS company. They have a virtual data room. Um, product um, is pretty good. Uh, it's an American company. They have a global presence. Um, we were working with their European head office, and they had a great opportunity with a um, a U.S. financial corporation based in their London office. And um, they understood that there was a competitor that, that had a bit of an advantage, had an in in his company. So we worked the client and said, we need to do something, we need to do something really quickly, but we've got to get leads from his company. And there's different departments within there. So we worked with the client and identified up to 200 C-suite people that were key decision makers that we needed to reach. 
So once we knew that, we thought, okay, what do we, what's the tactical idea here? What can we what can we do to connect with them that makes them notice our client and and actually stimulate some interest in them to want to discover more? So we spoke to the client, said, okay, with your data room, is it possible to open it up for a limited time? Do you do that already or don't you? And they said, well, no, not really. What happens is we send campaigns out, we generate leads on forms. It comes into our sales department, our salesperson makes contact with them, they discuss their needs, and then they together build access to their virtual data room. I said, okay, can we create a virtual data room? We'll populate it with uh, some branding, just make it very generic. We'll give them some empty files and folders and things so they can get to understand what it's like, get to use it, and open it up for a 30-day period. So every single person they send it to can get access to their own data room for 30 days. And they said, yes, we can do that. So we said, right, okay. So what we need to do is we need to invite them to test drive it. And that really was the, 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 uh, the idea. We sent them in a, um, a personalized stamped addressed envelope. And inside it was a metal car key with a plastic key fob. And inside the key fob, we had our client's branding. We had the invitation to discover more and take a test drive on their platform. And we gave each person a unique code. We set up a very basic landing page away from their .com site. And uh, we called it Test Drive, I think, at the time. And um, we sent them 200 people to there. 196 people signed up. It proved to be so successful, we ended up repeating the exercise. The final run out, I think, was about 16,000 going across Europe at different times over a three-year period. But what we actually did for the second phase of the campaign, we decided actually there's an opportunity here to position our client away from its competitors. VDRs at the time were very much a commodity market, so lowest price wins. We said, actually, you've got some really interesting features here that your competitors don't have, one of, the t- one of which at the time was a mobile view. The competitors didn't allow people to access their, their VDRs via mobiles, and they did. So we looked at different features. I think there was about four at the time. And we created a microsite, and we really amplified these, these features. But what we did need was an overarching strategic positioning for the brand. And uh, we came up with this idea about virtual data room and um, uh, more than a VDR. So we worked with our client. We, we, we played around with these words. So we came up with more than a VDR. And we launched to market. We had um, more than a VDR.com as a website, became a marketing um, microsite for all their various campaigns. We started creating campaigns for each of the different product features and services. And we created campaigns that, that talked about what a um, more than VDR concept meant. And we did it across Europe. Uh, it ran into Asia, LATAM, and even North America too in the, in the head office. And that whole positioning and big overarching campaign theme ran for about four years. So from what started as a very small tactical piece just went right upstream into um, creating a whole raft of campaign and content um, to build their brand really in this in that particular area and they did and we did and it was incredibly successful what advice would you give a b2b company trying to improve their marketing 
There was a, a great piece of research done in 2013 by Les Binnett and Peter Field on behalf of the IPA, the Institute of Practitioners of Advertising, and their data bank, uh, which consisted of, I think, more than 700 case studies of uh, award-winning effectiveness campaigns. And they uh, looked into why those campaigns were effective. So they had to deliver a, a meaningful business result. And they started find some patterns and commonality within these uh, campaigns. And what they, they, uh, they actually produced was a report called The Long Short of It. And I really recommend any of your listeners actually get hold of this report because it's fantastic. It's so good, actually, that they've started to look at the effects of long-term activity versus short-term performance activity, the difference being long-term being more about brand building and short-term being more about performance marketing. And the B2B world has woken up to this really only this year. Um, In March, I went to an event at LinkedIn in Europe uh, in their London office where uh, they asked Peter Field and Les Binet um, to actually look at the findings from their original piece of research and see whether some of those findings could be applied or mirrored in the world of B2B, and they did find many commonalities. So it's a really excellent piece of research. The the reason why I think um, we're going to see a a different approach to B2B, certainly next year, is I think there's going to be far more focus on building the brand and effectiveness. So MarTech tools over recent years have, have been amazing at enabling marketing to be incredibly efficient. But what it's led us to do in that efficiency process is think more about the delivery channel, the measurement side of it, the analytics, and then the message. So it's efficiency over effectiveness. It's the wrong way round. Now, for us, it's about the message. What is it we want to say? How then, from when we're saying it, what, what, what KPIs? What are the business KPIs? What's the marketing KPIs? How are we going to measure it? And then working almost hand in hand, we start looking at the best channels to use to actually reach the audience that we need to reach at the right time in the most efficient and effective way. So I think we're going to see the dial turning up on effectiveness. I'm not saying that everything should be more focused on effectiveness at the expense of efficiency. I'm just saying give them equal weighting. What are some common digital marketing mistakes to avoid? There's two things going on here. There's long-term brand building and there's short-term performance marketing. And what's happened in recent times is MarTech tools have been so good at the efficiency side of it that the focus has been in the mid to low um, activity on on, on the funnel, so mid to low uh, funnel activity. And what that's done is is made short-termism become the, the thing of focus at the expense of upstream brand building. So for most marketers that we work with, yes, there's a commercial reality. Absolutely there is. You know, it's about what income is going to be delivered next quarter and the course beyond. So actually doing tactical work short term, getting into that bottom end of the funnel from, from mid-level to um, bottom level is, is quite important. But actually what you're doing is you're communicating with people that have already made a decision to consider your brand or made a decision to actually buy that product. And all that communication piece needs to do is to move them from their intention to buy to buying. That's a simple job. But what's been ignored is actually the more upstream 
um, part of the, the funnel where it's all about building a brand and building a brand so you can have sustainable growth beyond two quarters. And I'm talking about the next six months, 12 months, 18 months where it's sustainable growth. And that actually is the sweet spot. If you invest in your brand, you do brand building, then that actually is going to pay dividends back over a period of time. The minute, the minute you stop doing performance marketing, that, that low funnel communications, the minute you stop doing that, your leads dry up. So you're forever having to pump money in. And that's what a lot of marketers have been doing. They've been pumping money constantly into this low-level activity, tactical activity driven by digital and ignoring everything about building the brand. And we know brand building is, is definitely worth marming. If you look at the balance sheets of any company, I think I read a stat some time ago, 1970, I think it was, 80% of the company's valuation was on tangible assets. Since then, and a modern day um, uh, valuation of company, over 80% of it is on intangible assets, which is your brand. Ignoring brand building really doesn't make sense on any commercial level whatsoever. But what we're not saying is, you know, do what's happening at the moment, which is everything is focused on short termism and tactical and digital and ignoring brand building. We're saying actually you do both and you do both hand in hand. And you can actually, as we demonstrated, you can take a tactical one-off campaign and build that into something completely different, go right upstream and build the brand from that one piece, that one car key that was sent out, that one campaign, that became a big brand campaign, lasting, you know, more than more than a week, a month. It lasted for up to four years. And likewise, when you're when you're going up, you know, we say to clients, we need to go upstream. You're, we're down in the weeds here. You know, you're, you're you're fighting with everybody else, and you know, it becomes a commodity market as we proved one of our clients before that it's a race to the bottom. A friend of mine is a managed consultant, and the first thing she does when she goes into companies when they are failing to turn them around, they look at the budgets, what they're spending. I mean, I'm not saying online display and search is not a bad thing. It's a good thing, but it's part, part of the parcel. So I think next year we're going to see far more focus and attention on building brand long term, and we're going to see far more focus and attention on effectiveness and making sure that Yes, we've been efficient, but are we being effective? And I think you'll see many, many companies um, looking at that. How can companies create the right foundation? I think we're going to see far more um, investment in um, research. So I think too many companies, again, uh, through habit, are just repeating what they've always done. I think we're going to need to find out more about mark, the market that companies are operating in. So I think research is going to be a big thing. Consumer behavior is going to be really important. We know in the B2B world, again, this, this year there seems to be a bit of a focus on actually we're selling to people. We are people and you know, we have uh, emotional as well, as well as rational needs. Um, and I think the emotional story is now picking up and getting a bit of traction with B2B. But again, it's about being appropriate normally when you're lower in the funnel and you're going to make a decision then you need content that you know, has more information that helps you make that informed decision you don't need emotion necessarily to convey that but i think upstream when there's brand building where you don't have to you know a lot to say or what you want to say you want to say very succinctly then you can pull those emotional levers a little bit more 
Um, so I think science is going to be really important to understand more about decision making and consumer behavior. Um, and I guess the other big thing, I think we're going to see real big swing back to integrated communications. How should a B2B firm think about choosing the right marketing channels? I mean, from my point of view, it's never gone away. It's always been there. Um, but I think, again, companies are now widening up to the fact that maybe we shouldn't just use only display or just email. We need to use email and display or we need to use email search and display or we need to use direct marketing. You know, we need to use more out-of-home um, uh, communications more posters, more outdoor, um, to go with something else. We know, you know, there's plenty of research that says if you use more than two channels for your campaign, two disciplines, two channels, then you're going to be twice as effective. Using just email, relying only on email is not very effective. You have to use email and something else. So what would you say the advantages are of getting outside support for your marketing? You have to look at it at uh, a campaign-by-campaign level. And I think, again, when you go into the large network agencies um, that have been under a sort of bit of attack recently, really, has been a bit sort of um, a bit slow, not very nimble, um, um, agile, and, and maybe a bit dinosaurish. One thing you get from really big agencies is real clarity on strategic thinking. And... You know, certainly in comms planning and other areas like that. And and our point of view is always with a client when they need to do a campaign, we you know, we ask the right questions. And we do look at how they segmented the market. We do look at all research, we do desktop research, or we go off and actually commission new research. We do qualitative and quantitative research on consumers. Find out really what what it is that they need, where what the gaps are, because um I think the danger for a lot of organizations and, and in the world of B2B is um, assumption. It's the biggest enemy of all. You know, quite often uh, we work with clients and um, they were, there's a lot of assumptions about audience, about market, about what campaign activity may or may not work. I don't know. You know no one knows. So that's where actually getting some objectivity and external help really does pay dividends in the long run. Any closing thoughts? I, I would say, though, that this definitely this research um, on the long and short of it by um, Les Bennett and Peter Field is, is highly recommended. And actually, so much so that LinkedIn have now picked up on it and they've created this B2B Institute. So the first thing that you see um, being pushed out by the B2B Institute on LinkedIn is this uh, report um, that they've done on the back of Lesbian and Peter Fields' research. Thanks for coming on the show, Steve. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the B2B Marketing Results Show. Are you struggling to attract enterprise clients for your technology products and services? Trailblazer Writing provides outsourced B2B growth support for enterprise technology sales. And we offer a free trial. Learn more at trailblazerwriting.com or contact me at derek at trailblazerwriting.com. That's D-E-R-E-K at trailblazerwriting.com.